Hello, everyone. Um, hope you're doing well. Just checking if I'm live. Hopefully, I am live. Uh, maybe if somebody can just give me an idea, comment to say that, I, that I'm live or not, that would help. That would be sincerely appreciated. Uh, we can also give the people a minute or so just to let us know if I, if I am live. Okay. Are there any comments? Uh, no? Am I live? I'm not sure. Can anyone comment to say if I'm live or not? Sorry, just checking my phone. It looks like I'm live. Okay, great. Uh, I'll give everybody a bit of a minute. Maybe I'll just give you a little bit of background into why I chose the topic. So um, I wanted to talk about my inv uh, experience with investing as a whole. And um, I started writing out my thoughts with uh, real estate in or property investment. And the more I wrote it, I realized this is a topic all on its own. So I thought, okay, let's talk about this on its own specifically, and then we can always get to that a little bit later. Also, from a graduate point of view, a lot of you starting to work or worked a few years and you're starting to think about should I be investing in, pro in property or not? So this will hopefully be an interesting discussion. So that's the main reason behind it. If you are coming, if you are watching live, uh, please drop one in the comment. If you are reading, if you are watching the recording, please uh, drop it two in the comments. So just to, 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 to cover myself, this is not financial advice. I'm really sharing my experience of being involved in a few property, uh, property deals. One of the things that I also want to talk about is um, there's a lot of things that nobody tells you. So I thought, let's, let, let's talk about that. Uh, I know there's a lot of people who talk about, should I rent or own the place that I stay? And I'm not going to, and there's people that are very for or against. I'm not going to tell you, that you should do one or the other. In my opinion, there's no 100% right or 100% wrong answer. Owning the property that you stay in has advantages and drawbacks, and similarly, renting also has advantages and drawbacks. You need to do some research to find out what those advantages and drawbacks are and see what suits you best and what doesn't suit you. And one thing to also keep in mind is Please don't do analysis paralysis. Some advantages and drawbacks you'll only find out while you're actually living there. Also, while you actually own the house or renting the place. Because certain things you only figure out while you're experiencing it and not everything can be noted down somewhere. And also sometimes some things just might annoy you that don't annoy other people. So uh, yeah, don't uh, find out what's right for you. Don't let somebody tell you what's right or what's wrong because they're, they're telling you what suits them and you need to figure out what suits you. So moving into investing in, in property, and I'm talking specifically for investment purposes, and uh, and that's for for rental because that's where where, where I've I've got my experience, and and I can tell you that in, in investment property talk, taught me a lot about cash flow management. So um, having a bond come off on the first of every every month. So you as an employee, you know, okay, my salary comes off on the twenty fifth. I can rely on that. Rental's not the same. Yes, you could, uh, your contract might state that your tenant needs to pay on the first, and that sometimes that generally happens, but sometimes what could happen is maybe they pay on the first and it only clears on the third 
or there's a weekend involved or a public holiday and then it only comes into your bank account on the 4th or the 5th. Or maybe they, they are tight with cash that month and they pay you on the, a little bit later, like the 2nd or the 3rd or even the 4th. Now you only get it on the 7th. If your bonds come off on the 1st and you're only getting your rental on the 7th, you've got a hole in your bank account for seven days. The only thing that can cover that hole is an overdraft. And that's not something that you want. That's not something that's not sustainable. So what I recommend is you can talk to your bank about setting your bond uh, payment date. So it doesn't have to be the first or the 30th. You can have ones that after my first rental property, I realized, no, I need to I need to work this cash flow thing a little bit better. So I set some for the 7th and some for the 14th. Well, so that it, it works out nicely that way. Also, if there's an issue with a tenant, it gives me some, it gives me a week or two to handle it before my my bank account gets into trouble. So that's something that that you should consider is just setting the bond payment date to a date that suits you. Then something that I that I also recommend is learning what your niche property is, and you and you can't necessarily do that. You can do some research about it, but some you only figure out by doing. So for example, my niche property is a two bedroom apartment. I've invested in a one bedroom apartment before, but then what I realized was that the two bedroom is more marketable for me. Uh, reason being in a one bedroom apartment, you can generally only fill it with, by, with one person or a couple at best. Right? With a two-bedroom apartment, you can fill it with either a one person or up to four. So one person who needs a, a home office, that's a two-bedroom apartment, or a couple who wants a spare bedroom, that works for them, or a couple with a child, that's three people, that two-bedroom is still fine, or even a couple with two kids. So a two-bedroom just it covers more people, and that's why I prefer a two-bedroom over one-bedroom, but I'm just saying learn what your niche is. And the other thing about the niche property is I choose a Personally, I choose apartments over houses because there's less maintenance and it's less to manage. I don't like admin. Um, so that's just my personality. And the, the body corporate takes care of everything outside of the, the building and the hedges and keeping, if there's a pool, keeping or keeping the security, all those things, the garden, all those things get, get maintained. You pay a levy for it, but uh, they, it's, not your, it's not my problem somebody else's problem <laughs> so i prefer that uh, houses might give, bring higher rentals so and some people some of you like to diy and you like to fix things and that's great so if you know what your personality is then go for it but understand what your personality is and what you like uh, when you invest in property it helps something that i also want to talk about is a property website so Property websites, uh, you know some of them because you search for property. They do give good advice. Uh, you can learn a lot from, from subscribing to the newsletters. One thing just to keep in mind is that it's, it's their, their goal is to sell properties. So uh, because that's how they make their money, right? If more people listing their properties, they make money. And that only happens if, they, if properties get sold. They're never going to tell you advice that's going to tell you not to buy because it's not, they're not incentivized to do that. Um, so they remember that because for, for estate agents, even if you read the, the newspaper articles, it's always a good time to buy. The interest rate is low, it's a good time to buy. So it's a buyer's market, it's a good time. To, it's always a good time to buy because they incentivize that way. So it's not always a good time to buy. Um, keep that in mind. Um, then what I also want to talk about is um, 
having a so if you generally most of us buy investment properties using loans because nobody's got this cash lying around right um so if you buy a, an investment property using the loans um the, the the bank normally assesses your affordability and if, you, if you start investing in property and you buy a, let's say you buy a few apartments or a few properties now you decide to settle down or you want to get married or you just you think okay it's time for me to have a place of my own that i want to live in so you've been renting before uh, what happens what nobody tell what nobody told me and nobody tells us in general is that those bonds on those other rental properties are going to count against you from an affordability point of view or when you want to buy let's say you want to buy the house of your dreams if you've got other rental properties it's going to count against you it doesn't matter that your rental is, is covering your bond and everything else. it doesn't matter banks are risk averse and they don't assess it as a business they just assess it so, and what they do is uh, and don't uh, don't uh, hold me to this percentage but what they normally check what is your income your total income that could be your salary and they may or may not include your rental income again it depends how risk averse your bank is but uh, they'll they'll take your total income then they'll say okay what's 30 percent of that uh, then they'll say okay that's the maximum capacity of a bond or new property that somebody can afford now once they've got that number they start taking over the bonds for the, your your investment properties that you already have even though it's covered by your rental and once they start taking that off and then what's left then they use that to see what your affordability is for for buying your next property so now you you could be in a bit of a problem if if you've invested in all this uh, this real estate for investment purposes and now you want to buy a house to live in and you can't get that house so that's a tricky one you need to keep in mind what i would the only way out of it that i've thought about it is maybe some of your your properties that if you invest in property uh, that that you want to rent out one or two of them should be one that you wouldn't mind living in perhaps but the trick is if you in, remember a property investment is a business especially if you're renting it out you have to treat it like a business your tenant is your client and what your tenant sees in a in a property is not the same thing that you see as someone who buys the property to live in so it's almost like different customer different types of customers so just because you are a good property investor for a certain tenant doesn't mean if you lived in that place you might not like that place so don't just buy don't buy a property because you would like to stay there you need to buy a property because a tenant would be willing to pay a certain amount to stay there and that there's a difference in that and you need to keep that in mind uh, just uh, i will have a look if there's time towards the end i will have a look at, at questions so uh, if you are sending questions on the chat i apologize i'll look through it towards the end then so we talked about those and then we talked about tenants something also that nobody tells you about is you must budget for repairs every year even if it's a if it's a new development uh, they might have less repairs or you might get lucky the first few years because it's a new development and you don't need to repair anything but if you're buying an older property things break uh, the tiles need to be replaced when your tenant moves out there's also generally things that need to be repaired not all is covered by uh, by by because some of them is fair warranty and you need to cover it also for example cupboards break or there's a leak or something like that and you need to if you don't budget, and i when i first i didn't budget because i didn't know and then after two or three years i was like hang on 
every year I seem to be paying a certain amount for repairs and maintenance. So I'm going to budget every year to spend. What that amount is, is up to you. I think I've got it at, for me. At, I, I, I suppose it's difficult to say uh, what number it is. I have it at two or four, or four grand or something a month. It depends on the size of property you've got, how many properties you've got, et cetera, et cetera. So don't, don't, don't worry about the number. Just make sure you have a budget for it. Another thing to, to keep in mind, just also to keep cash away to cover vacancies. So if, if a tenant doesn't pay or if your tenant uh, leaves and you don't replace place the or you you can't replace them immediately at least have one at least have one month cover i'm not i'm not personally i'm not great at at, at holding on to cash because i like to pay down debt or to um, invest in other things so that's a problem that i i'm working on because i never have ex, uh, excess cash just lying around then and and also in terms of vacancies, I've I've been lucky. I've had one um, incident a few years ago, and now okay during lockdown, I've had a, a few a few incidents, which is kind of understandable. Like people people haven't been getting full salaries, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Something also to keep in mind, and and that people don't or that nobody told me, and people don't discuss, is that when you want to apply for a bond, if you're applying for a bond for the house that you live in, that you're going to live in, then you can. You, it's more, it's easier to get a hundred percent bond for 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 a primary residence for yourself. For investment properties, some banks want up to ten, uh, sorry, up to twenty percent deposit. Um, you can get away with less. I'm not saying you can't, but uh, some banks want. The reason being is buying a property to live in is a lower risk than buying a property to invest in because you are more likely to pay the bond on a, because uh, you don't want to lose your house. You don't want to lose the place that you're staying in. But uh, less, uh, if, if your tenant's not paying, you haven't had a tenant for the last few months, uh, you might not pay the bank. So there's a level of, of higher risk for an investment property compared to a, 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 a place that you're staying in. And that and how the bank compensates for that risk is, is wanting a deposit and potentially having a higher interest rate on, on, on that bond. Something also to keep in mind is don't forget transfer fees. So if you're buying a new property or new apartment from a developer, you might get there might not be transfer fees, and the bank might cover cover the full bond. I mean, cover the full price. If you are buying an existing property, banks don't cover those transfer costs. So now you have to budget for. I've got a budget for a deposit, and I've got to budget for transfer duty, transfer costs, bond registration, all those things. Or sometimes they get covered by bond registration, but rather be safe and keep cash. You need to keep a decent amount of cash aside. And there's, there's calculators available online that, that can say, okay, what is, how do you calculate what your transfer duty should be or what your transfer cost should be? So just play around, look, uh, Google for those things and you'll be able to figure out the numbers. Also, when, you, when you're investing in a new development, so say you bought a new property that's just bought a new flat that's just been built, there might also be extra things that you need to pay for that nobody warns you about. Like let's say um, nobody stayed in, in it before, so now you've bought this property. Things like security gates, that doesn't come with, um, it, it seems obvious, but uh, developers don't pay for security gates or silly things like curtain rails to hang curtains. <laughs> it's a permanent fixture, so your tenant's not gonna put it in. The developer doesn't put it in, so you have to pay for it. It seems silly, but if you have to spend it on four or five different uh, windows, all of a sudden it's 10, 20 grand and you need to spend, uh, okay, maybe not that much, but still it's, it's cash out of your pocket that you didn't plan for. So 
think about those things, uh, keep, keep those in mind if, if you're going to buy something. Then something that, that, that also depends on you is deciding whether you need to, whether you want to use a property manager to manage your investment property or not. Some people want to do it themselves and I respect that. And you might be good at, at manage again. So I told you earlier, I don't like admin. So that's why I use it. And also uh, property managers, they also know the property law. So they know what they'll have a, a, a legally binding lease agreement. Whereas you might not, you might just pull a lease agreement of Google and that might not cover all the new legislation. So uh, they need to be, that property manager needs to be registered. So they, sh they should have lease agreements that, that that's covered by legislation. So at least you know your tenant can't take you to the to the rental housing tribunal because your lease is legal and all those things because a lot of things can come from there. However, a property manager is not the be all and end all. The, your relationship with that property manager is very important. I've got generally good relationships with my property managers and I've got one that's bad just because their service is just terrible. Uh, it's resulted, the reason I've had a vacancy for two months is because tenant left and nobody told me and I phoned on the fifth of the month to say, where's my rent? They're like, oh, the tenant left. We couldn't replace the, we couldn't get in a new tenant because there's repairs that needed to be done. But nobody told me about those repairs. So I lost, <laughs> I lost the plot because all they had to do was tell me so that I could, uh, I could action something or do something. But I didn't, the only time, the only reason I figured out was because I called them to find out where my rent was. So uh, literally all they had to do was send me an SMS. So that that relationship with that property manager is very important. And you also, look, don't expect a perfect uh, perfect property manager because they're getting 10% of your rent. It's not, not really that much, um, but but you, you start to learn what they're good at and what they're not good at. Uh, and, and, and you start to have, have some sort of relationship with them. So let me just see if I've covered that, yes. And I'm not going to talk about, I mean, you know the usual about location, location, location. I'm not going to talk about that. You know about that. Um, also, something that's worth checking is the, the body corporate health. So getting financial statements, because all body corporates have that. If, you, if you're buying an apartment, all body corporates need to have financial statements. And you can look at those things so you can understand if they're special levies or if they're not managing the property properly. Then something, well, okay, the time's gotten, gotten on us, but... Something that, that might be worth thinking about is diversification. Um, so, and not to say that one is right or one is wrong, but if you buy three properties at 700,000, it's potentially less risky than one property at 2.1 million. And risk, risky in a way that if you're one property at 2.1 million, your tenant can't pay, you've got a massive hole. Uh, it's not likely that all three of your tenants in three properties are, can't pay at the same time. But also remember that your, your customer type is different for, for someone who's going to rent a 2.1 million rand home to someone who's going to rent 700,000 rand home. So you also need to understand that you're dealing with a different customer. This is a business. You must treat it like a business. Another thing that people don't tell, tell you about is uh, don't let your affordability change between buying the property and a transfer date because you could lose your loan. What I mean by that is when you apply for a bond, uh, you, you will do all the, I mean, you'll send all these applications, you'll send your, uh, the bond will do, a, uh, the bank will do a credit check on you, they'll see what loans you have, and then they'll give you a bond, uh, or they'll approve a bond on that. And normally, if there's a short time between that, that, that bond approval and transfer date, it's not really much of an issue. Uh, don't buy cars or anything in between that time, but 
especially when it comes to, for example, if you buy a new development or you invest in a new development, what happens is they, they're selling the development now and they might only be building it. So the, the transfer might only go through a year from now. And so because there's such a big difference in time between you, when you applied for the bond and when transfer happens, the, the bank is going to assess you when you apply for the bond, check your credit history and your credit record. Then they're going to check you again just before transfer happens. So let's say, so if your credit is deteriorated, you might no longer apply for the bond and the bank, bank might not want to give it to you. Uh, so that, that's something that you need to be, be, be aware of. And, and it can happen for small things. Like let's say you've, all you've done is you've, up, you've upgraded your car, but your payment is more per month. Now it's an issue because now the banks afford, you don't, you no longer apply on it. So maybe don't buy a new car or don't change your car unless you have to, or don't get into unnecessary additional debt between bond approval and transfer date. After the bank, after the property transfers uh, go wild, okay, don't go wild, but I mean, you can buy, <laughs> you can start buying your, your other things that you wanted to buy. Just, just keep that in mind. Now, if, um, if all this that I've talked to you about bond approval and worrying about tenants and all that is a lot of stress and too much stress for you, then uh, Easy Properties has come out with a new option where you can buy units of a property or even buying listed shares, but listed shares or listed property is, is more commercial property and that's like shopping centers. That's, that's a different animal altogether. But if you also want to just invest in residential property, Easy Properties has an option where you can buy units of whatever you, and then there's not, no dealing with bonds and no dealing with property managers. You're just investing. That's an option. Um, I did most of my, 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 my deals a few, for a few years ago. And, and, and since I've done it, I've taken a bit of a break from investing in new, new acquisitions. One of the reasons was because at some stage I want to buy a, a, a house to live in. And, and at this point in time, I want to reduce my, my, my debt levels. So, um, and, and not that I'm going to do it anytime. I'm not going to buy a house anytime soon, but it's a long-term, it's a long-term play for me. Uh, so probably if I get back into the property market, it, all, it might, it might be through, through, through easy properties. Um, I won't be able to cover everything, but I think I've covered most of, of your, your questions. Um, let me just see if there's any, or most of the things that I want to discuss. Let me see if there's any questions here. So let's thank you everybody for joining us. Let's, uh, let's just see uh, your thought. I think Muhammad uh, Amin, I've discussed letting agents, so that should be okay. Um, tax compliance. This is going to sound strange, but somebody's ringing my doorbell. Apologies. These things happen on a live session. <laughs> so, well, we sorted we sorted those questions. Let's see if there's any other questions. How did you deal with uh, incidents of, of default, uh, Jason? Your question on that—that's a tricky one. I mean, you can ask your rental agent to blacklist them, but that's not ideal. You don't want to do that. Um, but uh, you you are running a business, so you can be. Uh, what I've done is, just, oh, what can you pay this month, and can you catch it up in a few months' time? Especially now during COVID, it's it's tricky. People are people have salary cuts. Some people have gotten like, massive salary cuts. So you also think when you have a tenant, don't just think of oh, he didn't pay my my money this month. He's a problem tenant. Uh, has has she been paying for the last few months? And also think 
long term, if you've got a, generally a long term a good tenant and there's just some life incident or I've had one tenant where the the, uh, the child needed to move to university and she needed to pay these fees for that one month. So she asked if we can pay a little bit now and a little bit later. At the end, I got my rental. Yes, I had to wait a month or two, but I got my rental. So it, it, it again, and it comes the first time it happens, you're like, you didn't pay my money. You take it personally, but you can't take it personally. Uh, it's a business and you, you need to think of it as a business. Uh, let's see. So, uh, okay, we talked about rental agents. Do we, uh, Jason also asked, um, do I do any uh, checks on the tenant? So uh, you also, I mean, there's, you don't always have access to the to the, in the, the tenant's personal details. And I think there's legislation that you can't in terms of uh, uh, protection of information. That's why it's very important to choose a good rental agent. Because if you have a good rental agent, they will they will do the filtering for you. If you stuck without with a bad rental agent, then you are, you that's 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 when you have big problems. Um, there's a question about personal capacity or private company. Um, I haven't I've just just presently invested in my personal capacity. I I haven't tried private private uh, in a company as yet, and that's just that's just because uh, you need to get a bond approval through the company. And then you need to give, uh, you probably need to give, um, you need to sign surety that might result in a different interest rate for the bank. So it became a little bit more tricky and I, and I was starting out and I didn't have a lot of cash. So I just put it in my, in my personal capacity. Um, yeah, so there they probably are benefits. Uh, I, I don't know them. So I, I, I can't tell you which one is better and which one is worse. Tatinda um, uh, is asking, what's a good income return, net of expenses? And what's a good capital growth? Again, good is in the eye of the beholder. Some people invest for rental income, some people invest for capital growth and you decide what's important to you. And you need to make those decisions. You need to have calculations before. And so if you're buying a rental property, you need to know what the rental is. Also, you have an idea of what the, the rental is for the, the area that you're in for that type of property. Because you can't just say, so for a one bedroom with that general size, what is the, the, and is my, the rental that I'm currently earning very different to the rest of the market? Because it might be great when that tenant is there, but when that tenant leaves, somebody's gonna come in most likely at market price and that's gonna be an issue. Okay, um, I think I've answered all of the questions on the, on, the, on the chat. If there are any more questions, please feel free to send me a DM or, or I'll, I'll also look at the, at the comments afterwards. I don't want to take too much of your time. I know time is precious, so. Thank you very much for, for listening to me. I hope you've learned something. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to be doing an, another LinkedIn Live session next week. Uh, it'll be slightly different to the last two. So uh, watch the space. Thank you, everyone. Have a good one. Bye.